Oh, hi there. My name's Puno. I'm the founder of I Love Creatives, and this is Girl Boss Radio. Okay, so I love starting intros with a little stat. Sets the scene, you know, it's like my little stat candle. Just, oh, here we go. So, in 2021, there were more than 200 million business accounts on Instagram globally. And that isn't ghost accounts, that's active accounts. Accounts that users actually visit every day. Social media is not that old, you know? I mean, it feels like it's been a lifetime, but Twitter actually only came out in 2006, Instagram came out in 2010, and TikTok came onto the scene 2016. 10 years ago, people were barely getting accounts. Maybe five years ago, people were like, okay, I think I need to hire a social media intern. It's just been in the past couple of years that social media managers have become the most important front-facing job in a company. I used to have a Instagram marketing business called PeopleMap, and I would talk to social media folks all the time. And I was really surprised by the range of talent. It didn't matter if you were this huge business that had seemingly infinite amount of resources. Sometimes the people they hired were really junior or were just getting into the scene. And I didn't blame them for that. There was no school for this. There's barely even online education for it. But then every now and then I would talk to a social media person that I was like, oh snap, you know what you're doing and I need to listen to you. Even today, you can probably still get a job as a social media person without any experience, but the competition is definitely getting harder. And that's why we're chatting with today's guest because she has figured it out and has landed multiple six-figure jobs. Who is she? Today, we are talking to Taylor Loren who was the head of marketing and then the director of content marketing at Later for almost five years. And for those of you in the industry that were watching Later around 2015, I mean, I definitely noticed. It wasn't just social media. She also grew Later's blog from 30,000 sessions a month to 2 million sessions a month. The reason why we know each other is because we created an Instagram marketing course with Later. Then when I became host of Girlboss, I was really excited because Taylor was just brought on as head of marketing and I was super excited to see the behind the scenes of how she works. Because look, Girlboss is a huge brand, but to be able to grow a huge brand even more is not easy. And it was crazy to be able to see what she did, which we'll be going through a lot in the episode. We're also gonna be talking about the downsides of working in social media, including phone addiction, which is an absolute necessary thing, especially for accounts like Girlboss. She's no longer at Girlboss, but I was really glad actually to chat with her during this transition because she was actually in the process of hiring a social media person for Girlboss. And we were going through a ton of resumes. 
And that was where this whole episode even got started. Because while yes, a lot of people might think that they can do this job, how you present yourself in your resume, in your cover letter, in your portfolio, will be the difference between you getting a callback and you getting passed over. So if you are looking to grow your career in social media, or you're actually looking to hire someone, or you just wanna pick up some tips, then this episode is for you. Honestly, we could have just made an entire course about this. So if you were loving this episode and you're like, yes, please, can I have the extension of this? Then let Taylor know and she'll get on it. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Oh, Taylor. Puno. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, we work together. (laughs) I know. I know. A bunch of people are going to listen to our conversations. (laughs) It's so interesting, too, because, you know, we worked a little bit together when you were at Later. Yeah. And then now I really get to see you work at Girlboss. And I was like, holy crap. Like (laughs) you do so much. And it's just like, I wanted people to hear how someone basically grows, builds and maintains not just one social media platform for a gigantic brand, but what is it like three, four, five? Yeah, I don't even know. That's a good question. You manage the Instagram account, yeah, TikTok, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Are we on Snapchat? I don't think we're on Snapchat <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but social media is so crazy because there's always new platforms popping up and you know yeah. even just a year ago brands weren't even really caring about TikTok and now that's like all the rage and it's the hardest platform to create content for. Oh, and YouTube. Can't forget about YouTube. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So all of these platforms and it's like Instagram showed up around 2010, two years after, I guess the iPhone was really a thing. And then it kind of blew up at like 2014, 2015-ish. Yeah. And this whole industry, your role, just like, it popped up in the world. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been working in social my entire career since I was 19. And that was the emphasis was on like Facebook and Twitter. Twitter was all the rage then. So you had to really at that point just be like a good copywriter, you know, Mm. like you couldn't even like post photos on Twitter. You had to use like TwitPic. (laughs) And then, you know, I started kind of really going into Instagram marketing in the beginning of 2014. And I went on a road trip with my friend down to Mexico and we created an Instagram account for it. And we're just sharing places that we went, which was like not done at the time. And, you know, two months later, we came back from our trip and we had 28,000 followers. And that was a huge deal on Instagram then. Wow. But back then you still like couldn't you know, really make money from it. Daniel Wellington was like the big account. If you got that, that (laughs) yeah, that was like one of the first brands, I think, to kind of like pay what we now say as influencers, but creators. And yeah, so that's been seven 
years of Instagram just growing and growing and growing and getting more and more relevant. And you have grown too in your career and have seen kind of the evolution of the social media manager. And I feel like there's so many roles that have just kind of plopped up because of internet. But Mm -hmm. the social media manager evolution is such an interesting one because like many tech jobs, it always starts with the young kid. It's like, oh, yeah. you're, you're good at technology. You should do it. Because <laughs> that's definitely how I got my first job was like, yeah. oh, you can do internet. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 social media was always known as kind of the, the intern's job. It was like, I'll hire an intern. It definitely was. And it's still a really big challenge today, too. As much as social media has become a valid career that you can go into, even to this day, it's such a common trope that you get comments being like, oh, why did the intern post this? Oh, yeah. People need to realize that like brand accounts are not run by interns anymore at all. They're like huge mass communication platforms that require like a lot of skill to manage. And you would never like hand over the keys of basically your brand reputation to just have an intern run it with no oversight. That's just so unrealistic. Yeah, I mean, if you're ever thinking about like, okay, would you hand over crisis PR or PR in general to an intern? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess like, how has the misconception changed as social media has grown up? Yeah, I mean, I really believe that like the next generation of CMOs are going to be people who got their start in social because social touches so many different areas of the business. If you're working in social, you are the most plugged in to the needs of your business, whether that's, you know, customer support or product suggestions and features or just like your community that you're building. So I really see like the future of CMOs coming from social and really seeing that value because brands now more than ever, especially after COVID, are really finally seeing the value in not only content, but also just like their social media presence. And I think Instagram has really helped that because there's like this whole new generation of companies that have grown solely because of their Instagram accounts. So I think with the legitimacy of Instagram, especially with shopping and retail and bringing in the influencer element and content creation with all of that, brand marketing is so important to so many brands now. And people have realized that like, if you want to go after a certain target market, like millennials or Gen Z, like you really have to invest in your Instagram account. So I think all of those things together have really validated the role of a social media manager. And it's a huge hire and companies are really looking for the best of the best for them. Obviously, Mm -hmm. some companies don't really care about social media and that's fine. But depending on your industry, People are willing to pay like top dollar for people in these really big roles because they're the number one touch point that you have like with your customer. Mm -hmm. And it's also the easiest way to fuck up as a brand. (laughs) Like one, you know, one bad tweet, one bad caption can create like a whole crisis for your brand. So there's a lot of pressure on the role as well. Yeah. And we've seen that, especially this past year. We have to just be way more careful and we should have already been just as careful. But I think that not only are brands realizing that they can use 
social as a voice, but people can voice their opinions as well on there too. So it's like a real forum of people talking about everything on there now. Yeah. People are holding brands accountable on social media Mm -hmm. as well. So it's definitely like a a two-way street. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So before social media was a little bit more of an intern's role and Mm -hmm. then it's matured. How has social media in terms of a job changed these days? Yeah, so it's really interesting because I'm seeing a really big shift happen in the space. Mm -hmm. So a quote unquote like social media manager, you have so many roles that you have to play. And I think that's why it can be a really fun and exciting career because you have to be good at a lot of things and staying up to date on a lot of things, but it can also be really challenging because it's hard for one person to be, you know, the copywriter, the community manager, the videographer, the photographer, the content strategist, like there's just like so many roles. And especially as we see new platforms come up like TikTok or Instagram introducing Instagram reels, now all of a sudden social media is video content. And that's a whole new skill set that a lot of people might not have. So a big shift that I'm seeing, which is I think really exciting, is kind of splitting up the social media manager role into more specific specialties. So for example, the rise of the branded content creator is definitely here and happening. And I see that as probably like the number one trend for the next year. So that's brands basically either hiring someone in-house who will be basically like an in-house influencer almost for the brand and who can create that TikTok content and be on camera, be the face of the brand on social, be in the stories and stuff like that. Or brands are going outside and hiring people to create this like branded content for them. Really emphasizing again on like videos, reels, TikToks, that's what's most in demand. So that's like one area of the social media role, which is in content creation. And then the other is in, you know, strategy, social media, analytics. You can understand that how some people might gravitate to one type and not the other. And it's hard to find someone who can do both because the person who maybe like has a concept or an idea for something to do on social is maybe not the best person to then like execute that Mm -hmm. idea if they're not like that creative type or they don't feel comfortable on camera or they're just better with executing marketing campaigns and running the analytics and less about actually creating the content. So I'm also seeing lots of brands, even if they're not hiring like an in-house content creator, they're creating kind of like branded content creator programs where they will kind of have some freelancers on and just be like, we'll pay you a hundred dollars for every TikTok video that you create for us or something Mm -hmm. like that. So people could kind of like make a few videos a month for a brand without having to like be on staff. And you could be doing that for multiple brands and obviously charging a lot more money than $100 too. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot in the past year that brands are now understanding the costs really of content Mm -hmm. creation. And now as opposed to just automatically assuming that it's an intern job, they know, okay, at a minimum, we need to be spending at least $150 per post for it to have some quality. You know, like other brands are going to be spending even more for one post, for one unique piece of content. But I've noticed that a lot just like as 
a content creator that isn't really a content creator (laughs) (laughs) where they're like hey we'll pay you two thousand dollars for one post and i was like what i don't even have to post anything you just want a video and it's like that's where we're at right now yeah brands want video content and reels and tiktok content so bad right now like if you're listening to this and you're good at creating content please don't do that for free or make sure you're getting gifted like a high value amount of stuff. I got an email yesterday and somebody wanted to give me like a $60 t-shirt and they wanted me to create like three Instagram reels in exchange for that t-shirt. And I was just like, in what world (laughs) is this? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, at the same time, it's like, they're going to get enough no's, but they are going to get like certain people who are just starting to get into the game in a way. And it's interesting, I see so many parallels with social media, like the industry and Mm -hmm. advertising. Cause like in the beginning advertising, you know, it it didn't have a copywriter, an art director, a production artist, a project manager, an account services person. Like all of those roles popped up as people started messing around with, oh, okay, maybe we can put it in this television spot or maybe we can do this and oh now we actually have done this a long enough that we see how much value we're getting from it Mm, yeah and actually being able to now put actual numbers to it now when they're like okay you know what last year we made x amount of dollars from social then we can hire three people because of that Yeah, that's so, so true. And especially in the last year with so many businesses having to shift to digital because of COVID Mm. and realizing that social media is like pretty much the number one way that you had to like sell your business now, sell your products, sell your services. And people probably made so many more sales in the last year from these channels that they weren't working on before. So Mm -hmm. now that it's been a year, you're so right. They're totally able to see the ROI on it and they have dollars to invest now. You were mentioning how the role of social media has like kind of turned into all these different mini roles. What Mm -hmm. positions do you think are really good for entry level? Like you were saying, where the things start with like the interns, oh, hey, you're young, can you do this? TikTok is just ripe with possibility right now. So I think if you are attracted to TikTok and you get that space, so many brands are going to be hiring specific, like people are hiring full roles just to run the TikTok channel. Because TikTok can obviously like be really good for businesses. There's so many products that have gone viral because of it, but it requires a lot of work to run that channel. And it does Mm -hmm. kind of need like a dedicated person to be running that. So I think that's a really good way to get in. Also just, you know, content coordinator or community manager, those are like the entry points, I think, if you want to have a a career in social media. Mm -hmm. And it's not always the best work that you get to do. It's a lot of like scheduling and coordinating things and maybe not always exercising your like strategy muscles as much as you want to, but it's a really good way to like get your foot in the door and just like learn in a space, especially if you're working with a really good like social media manager and you can basically learn on the job to some degree. Um, You have to obviously have a little bit of stuff to start, but... (laughs) 
Yeah, but I think that's the point though, right? Like we are in this weird time where there are enough senior people like yourself mm -hmm. that know what it takes to run an account and to really grow it. And then there are still companies that are hiring not the, the few people that exist that are actually great managers. And so mm -hmm. it's this weird time where you can still slip in. Definitely. A hundred percent. Like when I became a UX designer, I slipped in because nobody knew what it was. Nobody still knows really what it is, <laughs> you know? But like this job, we're still not there yet. It's still one of those things where as long as you've got something to show, then you've got at least a foot in the door. This episode is brought to you by Noon. Noon is all about hydration. They wanna keep you as hydrated as humanly possible. In fact, they wrote it in their business plan, keep people as hydrated as humanly possible. So they have these drink tablets that are fizzy. Shh, I love fizz. And they're really tasty and they're loaded with electrolytes. Also, as we get older, we don't really want all that crap in there. Well, they're certified gluten-free, vegan, kosher, and non-GMO. And more importantly, they're made without excess sugars and artificial colors. They have this one called Noon Energy. It's basically a shot of espresso, but their optimized caffeine blend helps you feel energized without being jittery. Because who wants to be that? Nobody wants to be jittery. Plus, they've got all this other good stuff in there like B vitamins for energy, ginseng for cognitive health, electrolytes for hydration, and then of course, only two grams of sugar. Total 15 calories. <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't have to count them when they're basically nothing. So visit noonlife.com. That's N-U-U-N life.com and get 20% off. Noon energy with code girlboss. We're going to chat a bit more and go deeper into what advice you have on actually how to get the job, because we've had a lot of fun conversations about this <laughs> and, I wonder, <laughs> and I like love it because we're going to get really real about it. But I would love to shift and talk about you and how you became a social media manager. Well, I mean, I guess what's your official role? Uh, my official role is head of marketing. Um, right. But I also, because our team is pretty small right now, I'm also managing the Girl Boss Instagram. So I took over our Instagram in September. And at that point, you know, it was losing about 3,000 followers a week. And since September, we've now gained 300,000 followers. So we're seeing a ton of growth, a ton of excitement and engagement on our channel. And that type of growth in this Instagram climate right now is is pretty rare. So it's been really exciting and fun. And also part of that is due to the rebrand that we got to work on together. So yeah. we had so many great comments about that. And our Instagram like actually looks cool now. So it's exciting. You also started the TikTok account. Yes, we started the TikTok account and grew to 100,000 followers there. And so something that really propels a lot of our growth was because of the election. And that was mm. such a media dominant time. And so with, you know, 
the excitement of the potential of Kamala Harris becoming elected. And for so many communities, that was a big first. And so we were able to jump on a lot of the moments like the debates and create a lot of fun content with that that was like empowering, but also funny, especially on TikTok. And we went very, very viral because of those events. Like I think our videos had, you know, over 50 million views. It's crazy. During the I'm speaking meme, we had, you know, an Instagram post that went really, really viral from that because it was part of our strategy. Like we were watching the debates, waiting for these moments to come and then executing and pushing them out like right away. So it was really fun. And that was definitely part of the growth, especially with TikTok. And yeah, multiple TikToks went really, really viral. Same on Instagram reels. I was kind of freaking out when like Kourtney Kardashian reposted one of them. Sophie Turner, like there's all these celebrities engaging with the content and stuff. So it was a really exciting time for the brand and a good opportunity to jump on like a powerful internet and cultural moment. You can't just hand this account to anyone and expect it to grow 300,000 people like, like it did. Why do you think that you were able to do it and someone else might not be able to do that? I've had like 12 years working on social media. So I have a very like senior role. Mm -hmm. Um, And this opportunity was actually really interesting for me because I was coming out of my last role where I was like a director level. I was working at Later. It's an Instagram marketing platform. So my whole job for those five years was entrenched in Instagram. But I wasn't actually like executing. I wasn't actually like managing Instagram accounts and stuff. And so for me, I went from this like director level role, which was mostly like meeting strategies, managing people, HR stuff. And then I finally got to like get my hands on an account again. And I was so excited. And it was a challenge to me to be like, do I still have what it takes? Like, am I am I still good? And that's what I thought, too, of like when TikTok first came out and I had on my personal account, I had a lot of videos go viral. And that to me was also like, am I still cool? Do I still know social media? (laughs) Because it's a whole new platform. Can I apply these skills? But that's why it's like when you have built your whole career in the social media space, you have a very strong foundation. And even though new different platforms pop up and they're all a bit different, like the foundations of social strategy are the same. And because I had stayed up to date with all of the trends and I was able to like finally have this platform where I could like be creative and try new things. And I think that just goes to show that like there are brands out there who really value social media and they want senior people in the roles. So it's definitely not a career where it's just like you can go in and be a social media manager and then you have to like pivot away from it, which you can do. But now it's like you can grow and have whole careers where you're like director of social media and managing huge teams and other creative services are now kind of being put under social media too. You know, you could be managing designers and videographers and creative teams and all that stuff. So you can definitely be a senior person working in the social space and certain brands will really, really want that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you study in school? Like did any of your school, whatever you did help you in this role? No, it did not. <laughs> I, you're um, going to die when I tell you gonna, what I studied. <laughs> you're going to put, put this on the record. No, it did not. 
Yes, you do not need to go to college to work in social or marketing. I have zero professional marketing training. Everything I've learned is just self-taught and learned on the job. Because what did you study? I studied Canadian studies. <laughs> There was about like eight people who graduate with that degree in Canada per year. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, you never used it once <laughs> on Boxing Day or anything. Yeah. Well, I actually didn't even graduate. But the one thing I recommend if you're like going the college route and if the academics aren't really there for you and you don't think you're actually going to use it like what are other extracurriculars you can do Mm. to help your career so for me I started a campus blog with my friend and that was what I spent most of my time doing was like Mm. working on this it was kind of like Jezebel but for like our campus news Mm. and we grew it to be like It was getting more traffic than, you know, the school newspaper. So I ended up going and working at school newspaper eventually and like running social media for the newspaper and stuff. So the best part of college for me were the things that I did like outside of the classroom. And I got to really just jump in this like social media world. And then I ended up, I actually failed (laughs) out of college because I was really struggling with my mental health in college. And I like wasn't able to do exams and stuff like that. So I was in a like pretty dark place and not really wanting to accept that like I couldn't go back to school, even though I was literally never going to school. I was just spending all my time in the school newspaper office. Mm. Um, And that's when I kind of started applying for internships. And so I got an internship at Hootsuite. Now it's a big enterprise social media platform. Mm -hmm. But when I started working there, there was like 20 people there. And I was able to like get hired because I had my campus blog that I was driving traffic to from social media. And I was running social media for the school newspaper. And at that time, that was all I really needed to get the job. And then once I was like working and in the role, I realized like, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like marketing is what I am meant to do. And I really hope they hire me after this because there's no way I can go back to school after this. So, <laughs> How did you know like you were meant for this? I just love creating content. I just truly, truly like love it. Even if I was never getting paid to do it, this is probably going to sound really dumb, but it's almost like an art for me. Like it's my Mm -hmm. version of art. I just love creating content and I loved like the world of marketing. And I went to a really, really small private Christian school and high school. So the fact that I even went to college was rare. Mm. And so I didn't know about marketing or business school. Like none of those options were presented to me growing up. Uh, I remember like being on Facebook one day and being like, huh, like people, people must work at Facebook, I guess. That seems like (laughs) it'd be kind of cool. But this was like, you know, 2000. And eight. So the world was so different now. So then you went from Hootsuite to where? So then I was self-employed for a few years and doing uh, like the content creator route. So I was working and growing my travel blog. We were like very early, I guess, Instagram influencers and working on all that stuff. I also at the same time was working at a company called Exposure. And that was my first kind of like content marketing role where I was 
officially really just in charge of content. So that was, you know, blog, email, and social, mainly uh-huh. Instagram. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that part time while also trying to run run my own social media stuff. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so in that role at my travel blog, Local Wanderer, that was really just creating branded content for brands as well as our own organic content. And we were trying to like figure out how to monetize that in the early days, the wild, wild west of Instagram influencer marketing. Yeah. What year was that? So we started that in 2014. Oh, that's tough. Blogs were the big thing then. So we didn't want to be a blog for some reason. We had a few friends that were bloggers and I guess we didn't want to try and seem like we were competing with them, which is so dumb but we really didn't want to be a blog then we realized that like we took so many photos for our instagram partnerships anyway like we're taking 100 photos or something so we can turn that into a blog post and be getting paid way more money um because people paid more for blog posts than instagram posts at that time so that's how we kind of ended up becoming like travel bloggers slash instagrammers so are you comfortable with sharing like how much you made around that time Oh my gosh, not a lot of money. This is when I really struggled with my anxiety because I was like, ah, I have no idea how I'm going to like pay for things. Like we literally like we house sat people's houses so we could have like free rent. I didn't actually have an apartment for an entire year. I just kind of like couch surfed and figured it out on different people's couches. Um, (laughs) I think we made like, I don't know. At that time, maybe like $500 for an Instagram post. And we were getting maybe a couple of those a month. The way we made most of our money and even on a few shoots we still do was actually like licensing our images to brands to use like for their campaigns. Oh, wow. So you'd like go on like a content creator type of trip and then, yeah, yeah, we would post about it. But where you made the good money is when they would use those images like on their own channels and stuff. And like we did some really cool stuff. Like we drove across the United States in like a Mini Cooper and yeah, but we made like no, we really didn't make that much money. And so that's why like I still had like the part-time job at Exposure. When that ended, I started like looking for another job and decided like I wanted to look for something full-time so I could like have more stability in my life and could still do our travel blog on the side, but I didn't want to have to stress about money all the time. Yeah. It's also a grind too, the content creation, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning when you have to kind of educate all of these different brands about it and they're still unsure about it. Now it's a little bit easier, obviously, but even still, I honestly, I feel for influencers sometimes because I'm like, that's a grind to come up with something really cool and new and unique for every project that you have to work on. <laughs> well, we're kind of do that at Girl Boss too, right? Like yeah. I know we're not like influencers, but it's the same process. We work with brand partners and we're creating, you know, social ads for them. And yeah. I fully appreciate the grind because, you know, for every like one piece of content, of branded content you see on Instagram, you have no idea how many like iterations and versions and approvals and things had to happen before that went live. Yeah. What was your role at later? How did you get that job? Yeah, well, this is why I always recommend that like if you're earlier in your career, 
working in startups is like the best experience you can get because you'll probably be able to get jobs that maybe you're underqualified for or something like that. Um, and you're able to learn so much on the job because in startups you have to wear so many different hats, but you also mm-hmm. have like, depending on the startup that you're at, you have a ton of career potential there. So mm-hmm. I started at later. It was called Latergram at the time. Oh, that's um, right. It was called yeah. Latergram. <laughs> yep. So I we rebranded to Later. That was my first like big rebrand. And yeah, I started as a content marketing manager. So mm-hmm. I had, you know, from my role at Exposure, we are newsletter was really popular and I understood the Instagram space and I just came in and I was like, okay, I've had enough general marketing knowledge. I'm going to, I'm going to do this role and figure it out. And so I started email marketing. They had a whole list of users and I never sent an email to them. So I started a little like weekly Instagram newsletter and I randomly like put in that it was coming from like Taylor from later ground. I think it still says Taylor from later. <laughs> Probably on like old final emails that haven't been updated, <laughs> but the newsletter comes from Vicky now. But oh. yes, that's what, that's what it was when I started. And we yeah. sent it like once a week. And then at the time I left, you know, there was over like, there's millions of people on that newsletter that we grew from nothing. Same with the blog. So when I started, the blog was getting, you know, think we had like one post that like got some traffic so maybe like 30,000 sessions a month when I started and when I left like we'd scaled the blog up to 3 million sessions a month and again in that kind of that early time of Instagram just kind of growing and popping up and we just went hard on creating content and basically growing an Instagram blog with all everything you need to know about Instagram. And obviously over time that evolved to becoming more like social media and different networks and stuff. But yeah, so I was able to learn a lot and grow in a short amount of time. When you were applying for the job, do you remember like the interview and do you remember having to, you know, fight for it in a way? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have to really fight for it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you were at Hootsuite, that's why, right? Yeah, because I worked at Hootsuite, which was in the similar space. And because like I've always, always cared about my personal brand, even when I was like 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it was just Twitter at that time or whatever I was doing, like I've always made sure that I'm like talking about my accomplishments and talking about my career. And, And that's helped me so much because opportunities kind of come to you and yeah I didn't really have to fight for that role I think it was just it was so meant to be like I was the person that they needed and they were the company that I needed and my boss Matt was amazing and yeah it was really fun to just kind of come in and be like the first marketing hire and really get to like grow a brand and like The coolest thing I think about the company too when I was there is that, you know, like organic marketing was our number one driver of growth for the whole company. So the company really valued marketing a lot. Mm -hmm. It was like a high performing team and I had any resource I ever wanted and they really stood behind understanding that like content can work to convert. (laughs) Financially, Was it different when you got to later? I mean, obviously, if you're a startup, there's an injection of capital. So there's that. But 
Did you see something? Yeah. So my first job, I made $65,000. That was what I made when I started there. Mm. Um, And for me at the time, that was like so good <laughs> um, that was like, so oh. good and i yeah. obviously um got equity as well so i have equity in the company mm-hmm. um which is hopefully gonna pay off for me one day yeah and that's was something that like i also really valued in the company is that they paid me what i was worth at that time and And that's why I'm such a big fan of like paying your employees well, because I wasn't stressed out about, you know, I didn't have really far commute times because I had to live somewhere further away. Like I was didn't have to like make all of my lunches and stuff like there's all these other factors that go in when you aren't making as much money as you should. But yeah, for me at the time, I was. 25 and making 65k and I was Pretty really good. really happy with that. Yeah. yeah. And I was able to then that allowed me to like pour my heart into like my job and growing this brand and everything. So, you know, 65 is such a great salary. What kind of salary range can someone expect for an entry level social media role? Yeah, it's a good question. We should discuss this. So, my <laughs> numbers are Canadian in my head. Uh Entry level social role. Okay. So my first, first job doing that, which was like 10 years ago was 36K. Yeah. I made, that was my first entry level was like 32 or 34 or something. Yeah. So obviously we should maybe make a little bit more (laughs) inflation 2% (laughs) from 10 years ago. (laughs) Oh God. 15 for me. Yeah, I think that, yeah, like if you're entry, probably like 40 in 40s somewhere or something like yeah. that, 40s, yeah. 50s, depending on your years of experience, the role, how big the company is, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then being like, if you're actually not an entry level role and like a social media manager, then, you know, that can be like 50 to 70. And then, if you are managing like a team of social, but honestly, actually like just if it depends on how much the brand values it, because you could be a social media manager and just one person and make like a hundred thousand dollars. That's not unrealistic if you are good at what you do and the company values it. Um, But usually in those circumstances, you'll usually probably be managing like another social media coordinator or something else. So you might have like a little small social media team where you're making like around a hundred. And then from there you you just, you know, it's a, I know a lot of social media, whether they're like senior social media managers or director, social media managers that are making like one fifty, two $200,000. You can definitely make really good money in the social media space. And the other thing is if you're thinking like, okay, say it's, a good top is like 150 and you start at 50, you can move up there like in a pretty short amount of time. It's not like you're going to take you 10 years to like move up to the chain in those roles. It could be three, four years. Oh, yeah, 100%, especially with these new roles. If you're mm-hmm. the person like you who will start the email newsletter build it out, create ROI for the company. It's like, yeah, (laughs) your role will magically appear because you literally 
made it too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Or just like hopping around to other companies as you feel like you're kind of like growing in your skill set and you're ready mm-hmm. to take that next jump. Like yeah. people get so tied to their companies and I know this very, very well, but usually you'll make way more money by like leaving and going and having like that next role and going to another company. Mm-hmm. And so if you're kind of like jumping around your jobs every two years or something like that and you're each time you're doing that, you're leveling up your title a little bit. Yeah, there's so much room to grow your salary like really quickly mm-hmm. in just a few years. This episode is brought to you by Just Works. It just works. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so Just Works makes it easier for you to start, run, and grow a business. Let me give you an example of how Just Works can help your business. So with JustWorks, employees onboard themselves in minutes with this really simple software, and then you can give them access to national large group health insurance plans and handle payroll and PTO requests. It's just all in one platform. Plus, it comes with JustWorks experts, 24-7 support for you and your team, which is great. Seems like a lot of companies are hiring remote employees these days, and JustWorks makes it simple to hire and manage remote employees across all 50 states. You don't have to guess when it comes to employee and tax regulations and requirements, because I don't even know where to start to guess with taxes. If I was on Jeopardy, which I definitely would not be, but if I was, and there is a category called taxes, I wouldn't pick it. Just, I wouldn't, I couldn't. I don't know, I can't do it. Also, I love time tracking and you can save hours on time tracking that syncs with payroll. It's just boom, boom, there it is. Plus, you've got 24 seven expert support as well as certified HR consultants to get answers to your questions whenever you need them. So find out how JustWorks can help your business by going to justworks.com. That's justworks.com for more info. So when you decided to go from a creator role to managing, how did your day-to-day change? Were you were you still making content? So the one thing that I made sure at later that I always did was I always scheduled and built our newsletter. It came from like my name and I felt like that was my touch point with our customers and Mm -hmm. I just always wanted to do it. So it was, you know, twice a week at that time. And it was just really important to me that I still like built the newsletter. If I wasn't writing all the blog posts that were going inside it and all of that stuff, I wanted to at least like put the newsletter together. So I still did that. And then I was also kind of like the face of the brand for a Mm -hmm. long time. So Mm -hmm. I was still doing our courses and YouTube videos and speaking and stuff like that. So that's still content creation, but it was very much in like a talent capacity way. So like I wasn't writing every single word of this courses that I was talking about or the YouTube videos. I was just reading them off a teleprompter. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty much it, honestly. Like moving up in my career from like a manager to becoming a director was something that I thought that I really, really wanted. I think we can get so fixated on titles a lot of the time, especially in the social media space, because again, it can be so looked down upon by other people that people care a lot about 
their titles. Mm. For example, being like a social media strategist instead of a social media manager or like a senior social media manager or a manager, comma, social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I cared a lot about my title and I really wanted to be a director. And so I communicated that very clearly and I created like a pathway for me to get there and that title meant a lot to me in retrospect like way too much I don't really care about titles at all anymore but I think it's because I got to a certain place in my career because becoming and getting that director level and having that director level job for a couple years has now placed me in like a new category of an employee it's like I'm a senior yeah. employee yeah so of course now I can be like oh I don't care about my title or whatever because it's like at a higher point right so I'm glad that I fought for it and I got to that level nowadays I just really care more about the work that I get to do mm. and the content that I get to create and I care less about whatever my title is mm-hmm. because I place so much emphasis and felt like so much of my success was tied to whatever my like LinkedIn title was. And Mm. I did have to like really push hard to get that title. But then I got it. Yeah. And then I was doing the role. And that's where the thing is, is that then I was not in the content so much. And so like taking the regular career path of moving from like a coordinator to a individual contributor role to a manager to a director and your job drastically changes and I was like managing people I was a people manager then and I don't think I'm a great people manager honestly I I struggled with that and my days were just full of meetings all the time and strategy and quarterly planning and this and that and I just realized that like I really wanted to be in like that creator role and be somewhere where I can like execute the content and actually work on it. And actually in my interview for Girl Boss, I was like trying to explain it. I didn't really know what I wanted at that point either. They're like, oh yeah, you want to be a fireman, not a fire chief. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's such a good way of putting it. <laughs> So why do you think that you weren't a very good manager? Or I guess, is it more you just didn't like doing it? I like managing people if I have a very, like, if I have a small team. Mm. I didn't like managing a team of, like, 15 people plus contractors. And I've realized that, like, I, I, there was definitely times I wasn't a good manager because I was so focused on like the content the managing was kind of like the secondary part and I like doing the actual like content and strategy but if you want to be a good manager it kind of has to be flipped like you have to put your team and your people first like there's you know so many memes about like your manager canceling your one-on-one last minute or whatever but like and I did that all the time Mm -hmm. I just didn't really like take that managing parts really seriously versus mm-hmm. like I have other friends who are amazing managers and they like take that part of their job so seriously and they're so focused on their people first. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really learned and like reflecting on things is I was really focused on the business first. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think there's still good qualities that I have as a manager. Like I'm very open about my struggles with mental health and I feel like I'm very like supportive and flexible and all of that stuff. Yeah. But could I have like been a better manager for sure? And I definitely think as burned out as I was for so long, I definitely like inflicted that upon my team too Mm -hmm. because of just like how driven I was. And I, I feel really bad about that. I don't know one person who has managed someone that has never felt both of those things. Like I just, (laughs) it's impossible. But yeah, I think for someone who is, you know, now in a content creator role or coordinator role and is looking where they should maybe move up or get more Mm -hmm. money, the role that you want, the salary that you want with a director or manager position does come with the responsibility of people. Yeah. The growth path to make more money. It's like, okay, how do you make more money? You manage people. Like that's the most obvious growth path in most Mm -hmm. companies. So people will just want to, in one-on-ones, will just be like, yeah, I want to like manage somebody. Yeah. And like, do they actually want to manage somebody? No, they just want more money. Yeah. So you should just ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but honestly, you kind of have like two different paths that you can take. Mm. And one of them is becoming like an expert and that's being like an individual contributor level, but you're like really fucking good at what you do. Yeah. Yeah. You can make like a lot of money doing that. Maybe like not as much as a director, but you can make a good salary and be happy and just have your own projects or things that you work on that people, you know, value for you. Like, you can totally do that. Or you mm-hmm. can go the like HRE route of like managing people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's totally valid too. But if you're like a creative person or what you love about social media is that like you really love like creating content and being like hands-on and stuff like that, maybe you're going to be really unhappy if you go that like manager director route. So yeah. I think the key is to like not think of your career path based on how much money you want to make because I really do believe that like you can make good money doing any of those things you're just not the right company right right and you know even if you have your own like personal brand stuff on the side or whatever like there's so many ways you can monetize it so instead of thinking about like what's going to be like the easiest way to get a promotion or the easiest way to get more money I would really caution people to like make sure that like if you want to be a manager you want to be a director like that's really like what you want to do and not just because it's like the easiest way to get there because you might end up really unhappy at the end of the day yeah i think the smartest people that i've had the pleasure of working with have kind of gone on their own and do not want an agency because they didn't want to be managers Mm -hmm. they love what they do but they need to basically have two, maybe three clients max. And they were able to understand the business enough to be able to grow it to validate while they're there. And I think that that is like one of the biggest things that I see is missing from social media people is you don't understand how you are helping the business make money. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to do that, then it's gonna be really hard for you to 
create your own role to demand whatever you want. I know for sure, like, because I've seen it and I've paid it. <laughs> the people that <laughs> like, know, they're like, I can do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to grow it to this. I'm going to meet these milestones. You're like, yeah, man, whatever you want to get. That, that, that's easy math for me. <laughs> I will pay that. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably the most freedom you can get in this role is if you just understand the business. For sure. Especially in social media, you're going to need to advocate for your work and the value that it brings to the business. Yeah. Because it's probably very rare that you're working at a company where the CMO or the VP of marketing or whoever your ultimate, ultimate boss is, it's probably pretty rare that that person has like a very good understanding of the value of social media. So you need to be able to like explain the value. You need to be able to put together a really good social media monthly report that, yeah, you can talk about like likes and follows and engagement rate, but really you need to be like, and we made this much money from Mm -hmm. social media or, oh, we reached this many people. We had this many like brand engagement. So that's actually one thing we had on our social team at later is we created this metric Mm -hmm. basically of like brand engagement and gave every different thing like a little number or whatever. So like a, you know, a YouTube minute view is worth this much. Right. And then every month the social team would like add up all of those. And we had like quarterly goals Mm -hmm. for like brand engagement. That's really like brand awareness, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. but you can put a value on it. Like, hey, our goal is to have like 3 million engagements this quarter. Mm -hmm. And then you can like meet that goal. This is stuff that's really hard to track. Brand marketing a lot of times is is difficult to track compared to like growth marketing or Facebook ads where it's like a Mm -hmm. lot easier to see the value from. But creating metrics like that or monthly reports where you can like explain all of this value to the C-suite or whoever the top person in your company is, is one of the best things you can do in your social media career for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you're working at a company right now, like just start paying attention and asking questions and being nosy about the numbers because it's just going to make you look real good. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to kind of like market yourself internally too, right? Mm. Like use all your marketing skills to then like market your role or your department to other people within the organization. And so finding ways to communicate to those decision makers, Mm -hmm. because it's not enough to just be like, oh, they don't get it. They don't see the value in it. Like you're going to come across so many people in our industry who don't get it or don't see the value in it or just think it's like something that you need to do to do. Mm -hmm. So it's your job to make them like invested in that success and to make them see the value in social media. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. And because they are focused on managing and growing their business, they can't always spend the time they wish they could on recruiting, which is a huge task. But they still wanna hire great people. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. So if you're looking for help right now, if you are trying to hire someone right now, 
You can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. Woohoo! And you can fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need. And then when all those candidates start rolling in, it's easy to filter and prioritize the top candidates you'd like to interview. And that's what it's about. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you hire the right person for your role. Okay, here's a crazy stat. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? 40 million, that's a lot. So get your job out there. Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash girlboss. That's linkedin.com slash girlboss to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You were talking about different ways you can pivot if you wanted to kind of grow your career. There's the manager role. There's the specialist role. But then there's also focusing on building your own brand mm-hmm. and being a content creator for yourself or pursuing influencer. Do you have any suggestions on when someone should just focus on that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. That hits me where I'm definitely at in my career now. <laughs> the one that we forgot about, which let's touch on that first, is uh-huh. pivoting into other marketing roles. Oh, so right, right. starting in social, And then maybe you become like a content marketing, like that was my route, or you get into like blog or email or, you know, a very natural progression for social media too would be going into paid social as well. Um, So it's like the best place to start your career because it impacts so many areas of the business. So you get to coordinate and work with lots of people across the company who are all in different roles, like your job is built for networking within your company. And that's, you know, oftentimes a good way to like grow in a company. So mm. it's really easy and natural if you are wanting to pivot out of social and work in other marketing roles to really just try and take on projects with other internal teams and get to know those managers and grow your skill set while you're still in the social media job. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It, it is one of those kind of launch pad positions. Yes. Totally. But then, yeah. So while you are building your career in social media, you should be building your own personal brand along with it. You know, I don't believe that every good social media manager has to have a good social presence. Oftentimes people are so burnt out on social media when you do it for a job all day long, every day. The last thing you want to do is then go on social media for yourself. Um, So I don't believe it's a requirement, but I do believe that if you're early in your social media career, it's very, very important and pivotal that you are showcasing your talents and growing your own brand because Mm -hmm. that's what's going to help you get your next job. (laughs) Or if you want to go and have your own clients and freelance, like that's how people are going to hear about you. Or you can go and like monetize your following or something as well. So the whole reason that like I really got into actually taking my Instagram seriously was only a couple years ago because I was creating these courses about Instagram for the later blog. And I was like, wait, people aren't going to trust my advice if they like go and look at my Instagram profile and it (laughs) looks like shit and I have no followers and like 
why would anyone believe me? Even though it's like, I'm good at what I do and I'm doing this for brands or like I was working with some celebrities and stuff, you know, like I was doing the work, but it wasn't showing it on my own profile. So that's the whole reason I was like, shit, I gotta like take this seriously just so like people will like trust what I have to say. And it was the best thing that I did. Yeah. Um, Because it just gives you so many more options. And obviously it's really scary to go from a like nine to five type of role to doing freelance or anything like that. But I was shocked when I left my job at later and I had no idea what I was going to do. I was just like ready for something new and I had no idea what my plan was. And I was shocked at just how many opportunities came my way like instantly. And that's just because I had been using my time to like to grow my brand um and I also obviously like benefited from growing my brand while working at the company and being the face of the company because a lot of my like followers came from that yeah so what happened did you like just post on your stories that you were like I'm a free agent now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know me. I had like a whole like rollout marketing plan for it. (laughs) Because something I've learned is like when you leave your job, that's one of the like biggest moments where you like get attention. It's kind of like when you like get engaged or get married and like after you've done those things, what are the next like big things that a bunch of people feel the need to congratulate on? It's like, changing jobs yeah. <laughs> it's <Which> true sad <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> so i i didn't know what i wanted to do but i knew that whatever i wanted to do i would need emails for it right the email list is gold mm-hmm. so i said that i was like leaving my job and then i was like if you want to like learn what's next with me like sign up for my newsletter <laughs> and so i used that as like clickbait to get a bunch of people's emails and then i like sent the news over like first in an email explaining like why I decided to quit and what I wanted to do. And I specifically said, I'm taking months off because I just need a break and I'm not going to work. And then eventually I'm going to like freelance or whatever. But even still, so many people are just like, I want to work with you or whatever. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty easy, honestly. Um, But that's just because I had like been spending it's the same kind of thing of like when I first started when I sold my first online course it was just like seemed pretty easy but then you're like actually that's like multiple years work of me showing up consistently on my channels and building my brand wasn't like I just pressed one button and got 2,000 email subscribers or made a bunch of money through a course I had been putting so much time into growing my personal brand alongside my job yeah Um, You spoke a lot about burnout as well. And I think that this job, I mean, every job, but this job in particular is ripe with burnout. How do you set boundaries and make sure that you're taking care of yourself while you're going to be building your career in social media? It's an everyday struggle. And I struggle with this so much. I don't have like a clean cut answer uh, because the the job is unique in that your job is basically to like be online 24-7. So when do you get a 
break. Yeah. Even if you're not like posting or things like that, you're still having to like know what all the latest TikTok trends are. You have to spend an hour on TikTok a day to stay relevant in this job, honestly. like, Is that what you do? You spend an hour a day on TikTok every day? At least that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, like for the girl boss feed, yeah, we share UGC, right? We share a lot of like, yeah, we post a lot of TikToks to our reels or like good tweets and stuff like that. You have to find that content. And like, how do you find that content? But like consuming a lot of content. Right. Yeah. My screen time <laughs> is, is really bad. My screen time is usually like 10 to 14 hours a day. I try and break things up into like days. So I'll have mm-hmm. like a, a UGC day day where I spend maybe like three to four hours just like collecting all of the user generated content and then you know obviously like scheduling everything is like another day creating assets is another day yeah if you're pushing out the amount of content like that we do you can't just do like everything in one day no so batching batching your time has been helping you kind of manage at least bucketing and putting boundaries around how long you spend on something. Yeah, for sure. Trying to just like keep things as organized as possible when it comes to like boundaries and social media, like trying to not be as addicted to your phone as possible. I wake up in the morning and I look at my phone and I scroll forever. And so I've been like talking to people on my stories like what do you guys do to like stop scrolling and some people are like oh like set a timer um you know you hear so many times people are like wake up don't check your phone and stuff like that but I'm not at that place yet Mm. I hope I can get there one day yeah but now I'm like okay I'm gonna give myself like 15 minutes to scroll um and then I'm gonna get up but I'm definitely not like a really good example of someone who's setting boundaries with their phone it's like a (laughs) constant struggle for me but meditating really helps because it can just help with your mindfulness like I literally talked to my therapist about my phone addiction like this is what I'm going to therapy for and you know there is this like feeling that you can get if you're like working on your mindfulness and like it's usually at the end of the day which is kind of like this feeling in your mind when you know you've been like on your phone for too long and it's like kind of hurts but not and like just having to like be mindful and be like okay like I have to put the phone down you know or like I practice going on walks for just 10 minutes and leaving my phone at home Mm -hmm. and like so no music or nothing and just like getting away from it but yeah it's it's really challenging because on top of all of that stuff you also have to deal with negative comments you're the person who's monitoring comments or in times of crises, you're the one doing crisis communication. So mm-hmm. it could already be a difficult time for some people. And then on top of that, they're having to work on crisis communications for a brand on social, you know? And yeah. so like people of color who work on social have a whole other level of challenges that they have to deal with. So if you're in a company and you work with social media people and you're white and there's like cultural moments happening like it's definitely your job to like step in and take that off of people and or in different moments if you're like a manager like you should be jumping in for your team Mm -hmm. and not just like leaving 
you know, so often it's like the people who are making like the least amount of money in the company who have to deal with like the brunt of a lot of their issues. Mm-hmm. I'm in a, a Facebook group with a bunch of other social media managers. And, you know, like sometimes if like a brand is going through crisis, we like send their team a pizza or Aww. something like that. Because yeah. ultimately, usually the social media team that's dealing with like a crisis or a brand crisis they're usually not the people that caused it, but they're the ones who have to like deal with all of, even just reading everything can be really like depressing, hard on your mental health for sure. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about what entry level positions there are, how you can grow in that role, what you need to watch out for, but how do you get hired? And I feel like Taylor, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> we have viewed so many resumes in the last week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, that's the one, number one job on I Love Creatives is social media. Mm. Something. It's just like, it's oh, incredible. Oh, for the jobs board? Mm-hmm. Yeah, jobs board at Girlboss. Like when we post stories of social media jobs, they always get like, above and beyond the highest clicks oh yeah same thing with on on i love creatives easily 100 applicants and it's like you know we're small we're not like a linkedin Mm -hmm. right like so it's just kind of gnarly how many jobs there are but also how many people are applying and i'm seeing these you're seeing these and we're just like oh no you're not gonna get it you're not gonna get in the door you know It's shocking to me how people can want to work in social media, which is a marketing role, and be so bad at marketing themselves. Mm. Like, do not send me a doc file that's just, like, bullet points and, like, in an aerial font. Like, that's not, like, communicating to me that you're going to be good at this job. Taylor, I could send you a, a, a Word document with Ariel. I think you might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can make it look cute. <laughs> so where do you start to get a job? You have to have experience. But then how do you get experience without experience, right? So mm-hmm. any opportunity you have to kind of do social media for someone take it. So like when I worked retail at Lululemon, I also was running our like in-store Facebook and Twitter thing, you know, and then I could Mm -hmm. put on my resume that I did like online community at Lululemon. And so if you're in roles like that, that you can kind of help out on, or like if you're in a sorority or something, can you like run the social for the sorority or can you volunteer in an organization? Everybody needs social media. Like Like you gotta, it's just the same thing with a website. Like I tell people all the time, like if you wanna be a web designer, just scream out, who needs a website? And somebody's (laughs) (laughs) gonna say, can I run someone's Instagram account? Like you're gonna be, Can I do it for you? (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Like, yeah, like a family business, anything. Like, just you need to have an account that you can show that you ran. And that matters more than really anything. Like, you need to have the hands-on experience. And sadly, like, colleges just don't teach that. If you're studying, like, social media in college, it's already outdated. 
Like by the time something gets in a textbook, it's not relevant anymore. So you have to actually like be doing it. And that's what matters the most. And then like once you are doing something, you need to be able to communicate that in your application. So just like if you were a designer applying for a design role and you gave someone like a really ugly resume, I feel like the same thing applies with social media. Like if you're in a marketer role, you need to show that you can like market and that you at least kind of like get it a little bit, you know? And you don't have to be the person that makes or designs your resume. For some reason, people think that unless you're a designer, but even that kind, I don't know. But if you're a social media person, if you're a content creator, if you were applying for a social media position and you're like, man, I suck at design. Mm-hmm. Use that, show that you have taste, show that you're resourceful, show that you know how to hire freelancers. Go get your resume looking nice. Yeah, totally. And even like Canva has so many templates for resumes. If you can't afford to hire someone, like at least do that. Yeah. Um, My friend who has a small business, she was hiring her first employee social media role. And she was like, literally, I can tell by the font that they use on their resume if I would feel comfortable handing over my Instagram account to that person. Same. So it really matters. Same thing like if you have a website or something like that, it just needs to like, it needs to reflect your work. Mm -hmm. Other little tips for your resume if you want a social media role, include your social media handles on your resume bonus points if you link to them because I'm looking at your resume. I only have like 30 seconds maybe to look at it and I'm going to look at your Instagram account. So if you make it easier for me, that's great. Follow the brand on social because if I'm looking at your Instagram account from my brand account and you're not even following it, (laughs) then like that doesn't tell me that you really want to like work here. Yeah. (laughs) And then examples are also really important. You don't have to have a huge fancy portfolio. What I prefer actually, people just send me like a Google Drive folder and there's like four folders in there of examples of their work, like feed posts they've done, reels posts and some stories examples. That's more than five. Yeah. And details really matter. So Mm Like some things that have happened to me, like one time someone, instead of sending in their resume, they sent in the like 12 page Google doc of their like professional resume person that went in and like edited everything of like what they should do. And, you know, I like reached out to this person. I was like, just so you know, you you didn't upload your resume. You uploaded like the professional resume writers thing. And they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, please consider me. But it was for a PR role. And I was like, well, I can't, like, you're going to be uploading press releases and stuff like that. So things like that, especially in social media, where you can so easily post the wrong thing to the wrong account or like a little slip of the thumb can be such a big deal. You just really need to make sure that your application is like extremely detail oriented because that's like, skill of the job that you need to have. And I think even just going through this round uh, with you, I feel like we could, we know exactly what we're looking for now. And it's not that I don't, I don't think a lot of these people don't have that potential. That's the problem is I know every single person 
can do at least the application part, at least get an interview. Yeah, totally. So many people are so capable of doing all these things and getting more interviews and stuff like that. They're just kind of lost at like how to exactly do that. Because no one really teaches you how to get hired. Like there's Mm -hmm. not really a degree that you can get for how to get hired. And I think that just learning how to get hired in the role will just teach you so much about the role itself. Especially in a marketing role. Yeah. Because you're basically having to like market yourself. So Yeah. yeah. Social kind of has evolved so much. Do you have any predictions about where it's heading? Well, the easy answer to this question would be saying video, because that's the answer to the question for the last like 10 years. (laughs) But I think it's been really, really cool to see the pendulum kind of swing back from being this super filtered aesthetic where like everything had to be super filtered and picture perfect to now coming back to being like really real and raw with content. Mm -hmm. And I think that like TikTok is the perfect example of that Mm -hmm. because people are flourishing on TikTok and it's so much more accessible because it doesn't matter. Like the aesthetic of your content doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. what's in your content is what really matters. So, you know, like so much content on TikTok just looks like you created it in like the basement of your parents' house because it's being created in the basement of someone's parents' house. Yeah. And then we're seeing that on Instagram now, like there's such a, such a trend towards like not using story filters anymore and it's kind of like taking away like you have to like buy all these presets and buy this fancy camera if you want to like share content on social and stuff well i think it's interesting that just even seeing how you've grown girl boss and later i feel like the people who are starting to really understand how to leverage social they're almost looking at their social account like a media platform. Mm, yeah. There's brand partnerships now that are involved, even if you're a brand, mm-hmm. even if you don't have media technically to sell, but you're doing partnerships, you're leveraging talent, influencers, mm-hmm. content creators, you're curating a scheduled amount of content, original content, serial content. Yeah. It's like we're creating a ton of mini networks in a way. You're so right. Like when I left later, it's like we have like a media company (laughs) and we're a B2B SaaS product. (laughs) And I think that's because there's also within social like a shift towards creating like brand affinity. Mm -hmm. And like the best way to create like brand affinity is through long form content. So that could be you know, maybe it's like a Netflix type of a show or it's a course or it's like um, a podcast or like Mm -hmm. just things that are going beyond that, like five seconds that you see of an Instagram post. Yeah. Cause the longer, the more time that people are spending in your content, like the deeper the connection and value they're getting from your brand. Mm Hmm. Totally. So my last question, you know what this is, (laughs) how have you redefined success? I think you're going through it right now. That's why I feel like it's very new for you. (laughs) It definitely is. You know, like leaving my job at later, I've done so much reflecting and trying to figure out over these, yeah, like last nine months, like what 
do I really want in life? And starting to become very, very clear to me. And like so many people who have said on this, on this podcast, like my version of success now is like, what is the lifestyle that I can have? What can I be doing where I'm not burnt out and I am happy and feeling like creatively fulfilled. And that's what I care about versus having like a title at a company and having my like identity be in like a career or having, you know, like a hundred thousand or more followers or fame or things like that. Mm -hmm. And just really creating my own little like bubble of happiness where I can be like fulfilled in my career, but not having it like define me. Mm -hmm. I think think that's what I'm kind of going through right now. So I'm very inspired by you, (laughs) obviously. And I think you just have such a awesome mix of so many different things in your career. And I think you're very successful, but you're always like creative and trying new things. And it's really inspiring. And listening to all the different guests on this podcast share all their definitions. Like it's made me think so much more about this. And I think like the number one thing for me is that I'm just definitely not chasing a title mm-hmm. at a company mm-hmm. and finding my worth and my value and success in that. Because like I was shortlisted for like the 30 under 30 and like went all the way to the end of the application and like I didn't get it. I just felt like such a failure. And now I'm like, who cares at all (laughs) like at all i like hate those lists now and it's just so easy to get caught up in what different parts of our society like say is successful and just going after those things instead of really looking inside at what you want and what your version of success is so to be continued thank you so much taylor and I love you, and I can't wait to see what's next for you. All right, everybody, follow Taylor at taylor.loren, L-O-R-E-N, on Instagram, and check out her website, taylorloren.co, and sign up for her newsletter because she's got a lot of good stuff coming out. If you really enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and more importantly, we'd love a review. Mama loves compliments. No, I'm just kidding. Girl Boss Radio is a production of I Love Creative Studio. You can check us out at ilovecreatives.com. And if you're feeling like you want to stack those digital skills, then use the code GIRLBOSS for 10% off on any of our online courses. And we actually just launched nail stickers so that when you email people, you feel cute. Original music is composed by Nija. This episode was produced by Juliana Clark, Amani Leonard, Christopher Olin, and Courtney Kosak. Engineering was done by Michael Castaneda. Our editorial director is Clemence. And special thanks to Nora Agency and Nicole. Until next week, Puno out. Puno out.